We're going to cover and read quite a chunk of scripture here today. We've got a large portion. Years ago, we had a Northern California Regional Conference. Many of us got back from the World Conference when everybody gets together. But we had one, and I remember I spoke a sermon on this portion of scripture. Uh, it was entitled, Victims of the Vision. A few of you may remember, most of you won't. But it was something that God gave me, just reading this portion of scripture, Victims of the Vision. Because when you're involved in ministry, uh, they don't like that. Uh, can we have a large vision? There seems sometimes that people can become victims of it. PKs, it can happen, Stephanie. Uh, but then also when you can become victor of the vision, hallelujah. When you can go through it, uh, be a PK with honor, hallelujah. But then when you go through it, you may get blessed. You might get a car. And, this is a Pacific University. I don't know. Because uh, God can turn victims into victors. Uh, but today I'm going to be dealing with the family. Okay, we're going to be looking at the life of the man that we looked at this morning. Who was it? David. Beginning in verse 9 of chapter 29. Achish answered, I know that you have been as pleasing in my eyes as an angel of God. Nevertheless, and look at this, we studied about the Philistines today. The Philistine commanders have said, he must not go up with us into battle. Now get up early along with your master's servants who have come with you and leave in the morning as soon as it is light. So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the Philistines. The Philistines went up to Jezreel, chapter 30. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Malachites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. And had taken captive the women and all who were in it, young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters, their children, taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahonam of Jezreel and Abigail the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. That could happen to a pastor sometimes. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Wouldn't you be if they had taken your sons and your daughters? Shish. Those are fighting words. But David found strength. Who and where? In the Lord. But David found strength in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech. Bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue or recovering all. David and the 600 men with him came to the Bishore River, where some stayed behind. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine. But David and the 400 men continued to pursue. They found Anne, what? in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and he was revived. For he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, to whom do you belong and where do you come from? 
He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of Amalekite. My master abandoned me. My master abandoned me. My master abandoned me. Keyword. When I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of Carathites and the territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag. Ooh, that's what David wanted to hear. David asked him, can you lead me down to the raiding party? He answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master. I will take you down to them. He led David down and they were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Malachites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. Father, I pray for the recovery of the family. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's a program called Family Ties. And if you know that, I'm calling this sermon Family Untied. We're going to be dealing with dysfunctional families. And a dysfunctional family keeps a family untied. It's got a lot of loose ends. Uh, the enemy can come in pretty much and do pretty much what he desires and wants. Lay sets on us. Because many of us, most of us, I know who I'm talking to, were brought up under dysfunctional families. We're going to be covering that today. We're going to claim back, recover our families. See, right after putting God first and seeking God first and making God a number one in our lives. The unit of the family, the unit of marriage comes next. First, we got to see God. God has to be number one in our life. But immediately after that, before anything else, the family is so very vital and important. Even before ministry, even before occupation, even before education, right after God himself, the family unit should come next in value and in importance. God and the family. See, marriage and the family, according to Scripture, it was divinely instituted and created by God with the design and the desire that people would be able to get and to receive the help, the nourishment that they needed in life. Are you with me? Right there in the family unit. Uh, we're supposed to get it in the family. Anything we, we need. When we went to the seminar, leadership seminar yesterday, John Maxwell mentioned a little bit about dysfunctional family. But he said, you know what? I was not, he said about himself, I was not brought up in a dysfunctional family. My, he says, I seldom. Matter of fact, I think he used the word, I never. Forget seldom. He says, I never saw my mom and dad argue. What a great environment to be brought up in, right, Stephanie? Hallelujah. Uh, I mean, wow. He says, I wasn't used to all this stuff. Because the nourishment was found within that family. That's what, you know, not to say we're not going to argue. But we got to have a wholesome family. Uh, that's where you, you receive all this stuff. I've taught the principle before. Remember when Jesus said, unless the seed fall to the ground uh, and die, it abides what? By itself. My seed are my three children. Uh, that's, that's our seed. And we've mentioned the fact that when you're going to drop a seed to the ground, you can't go over there and mess with it all the time. I'm going to have to send one of my seeds to Los Angeles for four years. 
But see, I had 18 years. We had 18 years with her. Now it's time to drop that seed and don't mess with it no more. Now I will think about that seed at night sometimes. She got a car. Uh, she's a very friendly girl. People will even invite her to her house, their house. Uh, but we had her for four, 18 years. We gotta, that's the principle. You've got to let the seed go. Unless it dies, it'll abide by itself. It won't produce no fruit. Uh, that's the principle. But the nourishment is found in the ground, and the ground is the family unit. And that's God's design. Uh, not in a daycare center. Not at school. Not at Aunt Bessie's house or Uncle Joe's. No, not even at the church. The church is supposed to augment and complement what the family's doing with the children at the house. Now, we're not supposed to rely on, uh, you know, a lot of us, well, here, here, here's my kids, like if we were babysitters. We're not babysitters. We, we're here to teach them the word, but we should just augment what you're doing. I've told you before with my wife and Every time she was PG, hallelujah, uh, and I'm not talking about parental guidance here, she used to put music to all of our children. Why do you think our, our children are so musically inclined? Every one of them. Uh, always to, even when they were in the womb, uh, giving them music, Christian music, uh, nourishing, preparing them for life. It's the family unit. See, those secondary units... They're supposed to complement what we're getting first and foremost within our family life. The family structure is of A1, it's our A1 breeding ground for life. It can and it does determine whether we will be successful or whether we will be, fail in life. We can honestly say as goes the family, so goes the world. Because that's what the world's made up of. People that came out of the family structure, the family unit. Those of you that are single, you got to listen up to me too here today, hallelujah. Not just the married couples. Because some of you are going to be married someday. I thought the whole home was going to go, amen. Ah. Ay, ay, ay. See, within the, within the context of the family is where we learn to relate. Or not relate with other people. I've said it before. I, I call it the four, the four Ps. If your children will not respect the police, that's one of the Ps. Uh, let me get it over here because it's not in my notes the preacher uh, one of them hey, we have to have some respect here uh, the parents or the professor I got it, thank you Jesus uh, if they don't respect them they're not going to respect nobody they're not going to about nobody they're going to be rebels they're probably going to end up in jail and prison I know because I did. Didn't respect nobody. Uh, that's why they learned that within the context of the family. My children have to respect the police and the preacher too. And the parents and the professors. Because uh, that's where they learn that. Um, they get what we call much needed social skills. Uh, that's what they're supposed to be taught within the family. Relationships. Getting along. I mean, I can imagine being a police officer and running across some of you before you got saved. I think they could spot a rebel when they saw one. Uh, You're talking to me, officer, man. Hey, I know my rights. 
Cops got to be good at this stuff. They, they spotted us a mile away. Said, oh, man, I'm going to have trouble with this Pineda guy. Yes, Jesus. Really, with me? When I was going to go to jail, right away the cops would see me. They, they, a lot of them would say this. Get the hole ready. Because we know Pineda's going to go in there. Some of them would say, Pineda, you want to go in the hole now? I just got arrested, officer. I'm just here. I've only been here two minutes. But do you want to go now, Steve? Because you're going to end up going anyways. They call me by my first name. Unfortunately. Uh, because the social skills were not taught the way they're supposed to be. See, if the mother or the father are having struggles and not dealing with, 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 with the struggles properly, the family suffers terribly. And since so the book of Romans says that no man lives and no man dies unto himself, that's why the world becomes a bit worse of a place because there's trouble in paradise. Did you, did you hear what I said? The Bible says no man lives and dies unto himself. In other words, what you do affects me. What you don't do affects me too. That's what Romans is saying. When I die, I'll, somehow I'll affect the world. But when I live, I'll affect the world. Whether I live for the good or for the bad. But in the family context and unit, it's where we're supposed to train our children in the way that they should go. So they will be good. They will be beneficial in this community. Man, what, a, what an opportunity Victoria Chaywood has to raise up great seed. Ah, child rearing, not just child bearing. Many of us were good at child bearing. But how about child rearing? Ah. I said it before, some of you need a new good kick in the career. Ah. Ay, ay, ay. See, if a marriage is not working properly as God designed it and desired it to be, then our world is reaping a gradual harvest, listen to this, of misfits. That's what, it's, that's, what it's, that's what it's getting. We're producing misfits for our society. But thank God for church. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. We can come in here and congregate and learn about the things of God and send our children out to the world to make it a better place. Those of you that are Christian, don't ever, the devil, and I know that he does, degrade what you are and what you do. No man lives and dies into himself. What you have inside you, the world needs. Because the devil tries it to me, that's why I'm bringing it out. And I do some stuff in the gospel. The devil still tries to lie to me. And if he tries to lie to me as a pastor, I can imagine what he tries to do to you. You ain't about nothing. You're about everything. Let me tell you something. There's a lot riding on your radials, hallelujah, in the spirit. Uh, see, David's family was a classic dysfunctional family. Classic, and we've studied this before. And in the portion of scripture here that we read, we see how we could label David a victim of the vision. Because he was out winning the world, the Bible says. But in reality, David really was no victim. In reality, David was reaping from his past. Uh, if he was a victim at all, uh, he was a victim of his own circumstances, his own choices that he had made uh, growing up. Now, see, we need to understand here, okay, some people didn't understand David because the first portion of scripture that we read, even the Jewish people couldn't understand this guy. 
He had to go join the Philistine camp uh, to get away from his own people. Couldn't quite come to grips with, with David and what he was doing. It's a lot like Victor Outreach. Sometimes people don't understand us. You missed a good amen, but it's okay. I'll say it for you. Uh, they don't understand. Wow. Are they really Christians? Uh, see, the regular, normal, avant-garde church cannot understand us at times. Still, this is not a reason to have uh, sloppy families, Victor Outreach. They'll know us by our fruit. Uh, can I always like when, when people say, does so-and-so go to your church? Yes, because I claim all of you. But by and large, it's always great to say, wow, I knew them before. I said, you do? Oh, yeah, man, they're, a lot of them, you know what they're trying to really tell me? They're saying, I want to be like that. How do they get like that? Ugh, you don't sound that good of a preacher. I said, I'm not. But I study, hallelujah. Ugh, we're good examples. We got to try and be the best as possible. Uh, see, this does not allow us to have an excuse to produce dysfunctional families. Though David did, we don't have to. Are you with me? We see the dysfunction here. Okay? Though you have to read between the lines. But you can see the dysfunction within the life of David. When the Amalekites, the Bible says, the Amalekites were able to easily come in and take captive David's wives, his women, and his children. That's the dysfunction right there. They were easily able to come right in and take his family, his wives, even king, hallelujah, the dogs. They took everything the Bible says. Uh, see, there is, it was so easy for them just to come in. We've already seen that though David was a mighty warrior, though he was a great statesman, uh, he was a, he's a very good king. He was a tremendous musician and songwriter, the Bible says, a man full of wisdom. Yet he was a total failure when it came to being a husband and a father. Total failure. He was a great statesman. He was a great king. Uh, he was a great politician. He was a great songwriter. He was a great musician, but he was a terrible father. Terrible husband. Husbands, I hope you know where I'm coming at today. We're coming to get you. Lock the, lock the door. Uh, because really, that was the, my next line right here. David left the front door unlocked to his house. Walk right in. Sit right down. Devil, let your hair hang down. That's really what he did. He left a door unlocked. He didn't guard his family, the most important unit after God. He put other things. Uh, David did not value the family as much as he valued other things. Biblically, the thing that really saved David was found there when he says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He did have God number one. That's, thank God for that. He did have God number one in his life. But the family unit was not even second place. It wasn't even second priority. Uh, it, it really wouldn't even be on the chart with David if David had anything to do with it. He didn't, he didn't really care too much about the family unit. When it came to the family, his family was dysfunctional. Because, listen to this, because David was a very selfish man. Very selfish. 
I am not the perfect father by no means. My wife is here. I am not the perfect husband at all. But one thing and I try very hard to do is not to be selfish because I know what selfishness is. When you start getting selfish, you're thinking about yourself. Stephanie and Val, give me the remote. It's my 64-inch TV. The church bought it for me. But, Dad, we want to see a walk to remember. Again! You just saw it two hours ago. And it's only an hour and 59-minute movie. <laughs> uh, men, guard against selfishness. Put others first, but especially your wife and your children. Uh, men, see, there's what we need to change. There's what we need to let the Holy Spirit work within our lives. Dying to self, serving others, beginning with God and then the family. Putting them first. I've told you the story before how one day God dealt with me. My preacher said, mighty men of valor one time. How, you know, I had faith to, to move mountains. Faith to do, faith to plant churches. Faith to, to be a, a minister of the gospel. Faith, I had all that stuff, but... My wife didn't have a car. Get on, honey. Uh, well, I think she had some kind of a, some kind of something. It wasn't memorable. And then God told me, listen, you start using that faith for your, for your honey, for your wife. Uh, you're being selfish. You're, you're taking care of the kids. You're taking care of the spiritual kids. How about her? And so that's when I got up real early. Yeah, that blew her mind right there on a Monday. Because Mondays are supposed to be Pastor's Day off. That's supposed to be our Saturdays. And that's when the phone rings the most, but that's okay. Uh, and then we went out and I got up and said, come on, honey, we're going to get you a car. What? Yeah, get in. And that day, that's when that, that car that she has, the BMW, God did a miracle. God lowered the price. That was the only car in the whole Fremont uh, uh, Auto Mall. There was only one car that was put in the San Francisco uh, uh, Chronicle to be on sale to lure other people to come. I didn't know that, but I was one of the first guys there because I got up early. The early bird catches the car. Ah. And the guy said, he, he really wanted, it was just God. Josie knows. God led us to that car. There was thousands of cars at the auto mall. We went to that one. It was the Lord because God loves my wife. And so do I. Ah. And it was, she, knows, she knows how it was. it was. She was real skeptical, like, what? Oh, come on, come on, come on, honey, come on, come on. And the, man, that, the price had been lowered, and that's an expensive car, $9,000. I said, oh, Jesus. Uh, like somebody says, I might have been born at night, but not last night. Uh, let's try and get this one. And God did it. Because we got to use our faith and all of what God has blessed us with our giftings in our family first and foremost. And I heard the same story that I'm telling you. I heard it from Pastor Sonny before. I remember one time I walked into his house and he says, Steve, uh, he was trying to convey this to me before this had happened. He goes, see outside there? In his house, I said, yeah. He goes, that's Debbie's new car. I said, wow, that's bad. He says, yeah, because I have, I have faith for the church. Now God's telling me I have to have faith for my family. I said, Sonny, that's right on. Ah. Uh, and to think about our families. Uh, but such was not the case here in David's life. 
this past week, my, we got away. We went to go get away. We had planned this little thing that we were supposed to get together right after the conference. We couldn't do it. So we had to put it off a few weeks with Saul and Stella Garcia, one of our elders. We got to spend time, and it was real nice. Listen, I, I'm not going to, people are saying, oh, where's Pastor Steve at? I was with my family. I was with my family. I wish I'd do it more often. I have no excuse to, I was with my family. I'm a family man. Uh, hallelujah, as much as is possible. See the Amalekites, let's get back to the story. When the Amalekites came to Ziklag, David's hometown there, or his home base now, they found no resistance, men. No resistance at all. When David went out to battle, listen to this, when he went to battle, he took all the men. He didn't leave nobody back to take care of the men, the women, and the children, and the wives. What a selfish person. He was more into macho. We're going to go kill him. Yeah, we are the mamas. We got it going on over here. We're from 8th Street, eh? Uh, well, I'm from Dakota. Well, I'm from the big FMT. We got the baddest gang. And everybody's a dope fiend. Because there's no men that'll stand up no more. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to be family men here. There was got enough dolphins. We need real men. Gonna stand up against. They found no resistance. He took all the men because he wanted to do great exploits. Men, we're into that. You ever notice? My wife was saying that. Uh, you ever seen men by the campfire or someplace? How the Dodgers doing? Oh yeah. It's my team, eh? The Niners played in Japan. Woo, wow. Uh, and let me tell you something. Come, come the football season, some men start, stop drifting from church then. Over uh, the 49ers. And, uh, and they start losing. Oh, yeah. Uh, you ever seen women by a campfire? Hey, yeah, did you see what happened? Oh, I have one of those two. You can't stop him talking. And the fire's been out for two hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so nice. Because as my wife has taught, women have, t women have like about 55,000 words that they have to say a day. You know what the men's, I think ours is like 22,000. That's still highballing it for me. How the Dodgers? Oh, they're okay. Uh, that doesn't count. Uh, see, David left his family defenseless, which shows, my friend, that he didn't care. He could care less about his family. Uh, see, personally with me, that careless attitude almost destroyed my, my life and my family's life as well, my marriage, being careless. It's a word called, and I've talked to you before, indifference. Terrible word. I think that's the worst word in the English language. Indifference. When you don't care. Uh, the Dodgers are in last place. Ah, eh, so what? Your wife ain't got nothing to eat. Ah, eh, so what? 
Your kids got to wear the same clothes for three days in a row. Ah, so what? Huh? Wow, terrible word, indifference. You don't care anymore. Uh, see, we have to care. Our wives and even our children need to know that we do care. Uh, and we, 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 we take an interest in what's happening with their lives. See, men and husbands, we, we need to devote much of our time and our money and our energy to our families. That's why I said I, we got away this with our family. I, I love spending time with them. We got to do that. Uh, show them that we do care. But David, uh, he did exhibit that careless attitude. Mark my words, men. When we do that, expect to reap the whirlwind of destruction. When you, when you don't care. It's going to come back to get you. Uh, sow the wind, reap the whirlwind of destruction. See, David lost. No. David allowed his family to be taken captive. Because he did not value or prioritize his family in the place of honor. That God had intended for his family to be placed in. It's got to be number two. Right after God. We've got to put him in the place of honor. That's the reason why uh, it's important to, to bring your kids to church. And, and, and sit next to them. Be with them. They'll be with your children. It's a family. And we've been doing this. We've been dealing with this as of late, you know. Because some of our families have been getting in a little bit of trouble. Because our kids congregate over there. They away. Sit with your kids. Oh, bring them over here near you. Take notes. Oh, show them that you care about the things of God. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. Scripture says. Oh. See, because when you come to church, you're showing your family. When you come together with your family, you're showing them that God's priority and that your family's priority. Oh. It's a win-win situation. But in 1 Samuel chapters 29 and 30, David showed his true colors. Men, mark my words. If we have our priorities all crisscrossed and messed up and wrong, our selfishness and our true colors will eventually show up. And believe me, take it from one who knows. If we're willing to see those colors and not selfishly and macholy deal with them as before, those true colors can be very ugly very, very ugly colors if we look at them for what they really are uh, selfishness I will go so far uh, and go on record by saying this nothing is uglier in this planet than a selfish man hmm? nothing the times my wife abhors me the worst is when I get selfish. Every leap year. Uh, really, I, I know, I can tell. And I, you know, have a wife that's very perceptive. Great teacher. Not only of you, but of me. Uh, and she, I don't know, you got to be careful. Because I told her many years ago. And I think I've lived up to this. I can look her in the eye and say I lived up to this. Because I'm a, I still got that macho stuff, and she knows that. But I try to keep it. I was terrible. That ain't nothing compared to what I used to do. Oh, my God. She, thank God she married me like this. And it's still bad. Uh, but I told her many years ago, 
And I think I've stood to this. If you've got to kick me into heaven, do it. I was the kind of guy, let me just get out of my notes here before. Uh, Snitching my bad old self, because she knows. When I first got married, I was like, the Bible says submit. I took her right to Peter in a hot second. Uh, okay, woman, James, you know, hey, come on. Uh, James, Peter, get her. Uh, she tried to help me. I, I, right away, I'd come up with a quick retort. I graduated from the men's hall. After that, hey, I have the right to do anything now. I have the right not to remain silent. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, poor lady. I told her, but, well, you know. Now, even when I feel I got the rights and all, oh, and, and she's wrong, I don't, because I've tried very hard to live up to what I told her many, many years ago. I haven't been a good husband all the time, but I've stuck to that. Uh, I've stuck to that. Because a lot of times I was like, mm. Now, I have messed up a few times. <laughs> probably, she's probably saying to herself right now, quite, but quite a few times. No, not compared to the way I used to be. I just, <laughs> you know, like the Fonzie, you know. <laughs> because I know. I've learned to value what she has to say, what my children have to say. Huh? Come on, Dad, we want the TV. All right. Uh, see, David, see, dysfunction in a family has an open door whenever the family members, especially the father or the husband, has got his priorities out of whack. When a member, and especially the father or the mother, the mother as well, when they have some, you know, life-controlling problems that are left in denial and not dealt with, that's when dysfunction comes in. Dysfunction has to be, it's breeded on, on, on things that are, that, that, you know, that are life-threatening, life-controlling problems. Like, like different vices, drugs and alcohol and gambling and sex, all that stuff. When they're left in denial and they're not dealt with, that's where dysfunction comes in. That's the unlocked front door. When we don't learn to deal with and channel correctly our emotions. Ah, I was getting, ah, come on, be cool. Because dysfunction enters the family. We don't want that. But that's how it comes in. Thus, instead of placing God and our family before all else, we can and we do very easily, as David did, put other things ahead of God and ahead of our family. It can be drugs. You place other things ahead of your family. That's where dysfunction comes in. Other things ahead of God. Alcohol. Work. That's why I said some of you, well, we need a good kick in the career. Ugh. Well, I bring home the bacon. They don't want bacon. They want you, sir. I was touched today when I came in. Some guy is a new convert here. Been out hitting the streets. Got out of my car. He was sitting there with his little mijo, he said. 
He says, I'm, I'm sitting here with my mijo. You guys that were with me, you saw. Uh, because I remember when I was with my dad, and these times were the best times when I was with my father. I, re I remember those times. He says, I know that my son's going to remember these times. Because we're giving them of ourselves. They don't want your money. They, they want your time. They want your concern, your care. A lot of times there's a lot of stuff, work and alcohol and drugs. It can even be ministry that are put before your family and before God. Uh, a hobby. Where's so-and-so? He's out fishing. On Sunday, he went fishing. Uh, he's out, you know, monkeying around with his car. It can even be a hobby. Sex. Leisure. And even eating. Ah, any number of things that we term, and this is the word compulsive, compulsive, uh, an eating disorder. Ah, instead of, you know, putting money for your family, you're, you're buying, you know, buying, I want pizza. That's not enough, I want three pizzas. See, in the case of David, it could have been any number of things when you study the word of God, but... I believe his compulsive disorder was sex. You study in here, I mean, 3,000, I think it was 8,000 concubines. I'm not talking porcupines. Because some of you don't know what concubines are. Concubines are, they're there at your leisure. Ah, okay, today I'll have this one. This afternoon I'll have that one. Tonight I'll have those. I really think I really think it was, it was a sexual thing with this guy. I mean, because the Bible says a king was only allowed to have one wife. When you read scripture here, Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 18, talk about that. King was supposed to only have one wife. This guy had seven wives and all kinds of concubines. Boy, did he have compulsiveness. Uh, see, I believe David allowed for too much compulsive behavior in his life. Rather than utilizing his energies, uh, secondly, after God, with his family, he put his family way down the list. Way down on the list. Sad and bad. Uh, terrible. See, there's a word there, and I used it earlier, called abandonment. Abandonment. Abandonment is so demoralizing and severe uh, when, when, when you're abandoned that family members suffer from this feeling of abandonment. They have trouble the rest of their lives trying to feel secure. It's abandonment. The children feel abandoned. I want my daddy. I want, but, but they're always abandoned. He's out at the bar. He's out over here. He's out doing this. He's out in ministry. He's out over doing all. You know, the, they feel abandoned. That's what happened with David and his family. They go through life as second-class citizens. And eventually, even suicide looks good. Even suicide. We were talking today. Some of the guys that were in the home that were with me in the car. Some of the guys that grew up here in Hayward. I've been in Hayward 21 years. I've never been, you know, I don't know the fellow, but I've met a lot of the people. And we were talking about some of the families with the curses of, of suicide. We were talking about one certain family. They, they had an opportunity to come to our church. They were coming in the beginning, in the outset of our ministry. 
But three brothers, some of you would know them if I'd say the names. Three brothers committed suicide. One of them right in front of their dad said, Dad, look at this. Blew his brains out. I did the funerals for two of the three. And the father was like, if nothing. And I was looking and saying to myself, oh my goodness, the guy doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Uh, it's like going to careless, indifferent. Because even suicide looks good when you're abandoned. And many of you know that. I do not take it lightly. And I try not to. Like today when the brother was up here, Larry. Oh, excuse me, Tony. And he said, I didn't have a father. I don't know if you heard, but I think you did, but I heard. He says, that's why I like coming over here. There's Pastor Steve's here and some of you. Because I know a lot of you look up as I'm, 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 I'm your spiritual father, but sometimes I even have to take the place of your physical father. I know that. It's not easy. Uh, but I... God forbid that I would abandon. Wow. And it happens. It's happened before. But, and that's how people get like that. Wow, look at this. Uh, no, no, no. And I know that I'm, I'm almost all of you, I'm your dad. Strawberry cheesecake. <laughs> ah. There's benefits. The other day I was doing something over at one of the markets and Toby and Beverly were here. They said, we'll buy it for you, Pastor. They even let me cut in line. It was a big old line, and we were, we were waiting. We had to hurry, and come on, come to the front. They paid for it. Oh, thanks, Dad. It's okay, mija and mijo. Uh, there's certain benefits, hallelujah. Abandonment. Uh, see, church, dysfunction is a terrible, terrible ordeal. And we need to realize that and make a change. Ah. Uh, See, in 2 Samuel 29 and 30, David flat out abandoned his family. They bugged him. I think there's nothing worse than, than when your family wants you, and, and you know, go, go over there and play. You bug me. When, when, when there's something more important, and trust me, being brought up as a pastor's kid is not easy. It's not. Because and they know. Because one of you might call me and, I, and we have to be there. And my wife and I have to be there for you. And, and they're over there looking at me. But how about us? How about us? It's not, it's not easy. They feel like, hey, my dad and my mom care more about them. But that's not true. It's not. We got to live and trust David. That was his encourage himself in the Lord. My wife and I, we have to learn that. We got to, hey, God, God knows. Because uh, it's not true. I will not let the devil lie to me in that area. Uh, because God's got enough love for all of you. And a parent's supposed to have enough love for all of his children. And I do. All three of them. But I have enough love for thousands. So win souls. Hallelujah. Uh, I don't mind being a dad to thousands. Uh, see, I can't say about David that he abandoned his loved ones. Listen to this. Key statement. I can't say David abandoned his loved ones because his actions show that he didn't really love them like he was supposed to. He might have not had his loved ones. His actions didn't show and prove that he loved them. 
David was selfish. He loved himself more. Fathers, husbands, I'm going to get hard and personal here a little bit. Uh, but this could save your marriage and your family. Uh, but some of you are slowly destroying your marriage and family. And, and, and this is a big and. And you don't even know it. Because that's what almost happened in my life. Uh, and I'm not a such domino to keep, you know, I got a preacher's, but it doesn't mean that I'm not, I don't fall prey to this as well. Uh, but David didn't even know it, that he was losing his family. Some of you could be here and all oh, you're doing this and that. You think you got it together? <laughs> and you probably don't. And you don't, don't even know it. But I know what you got to do. And we need to do that. We need to start proving to our wives and our families and our children uh, by our actions. Uh, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another, including your family. Uh, th th those things can destroy. Uh, it can happen, and we, and, we, and we don't even know it. Uh, but the Amalekites had come into David's house and stolen it. That's what happened. David didn't even know it. The Amalekites came in right in his front door and stole his family. That's the devil. He, he could just come right in because you're so involved in other stuff. Uh, they didn't even have to sneak in the window or climb in through the back door. Not at all. Uh, listen, as family members, we got to go through this thing together. Together. Uh, so important. But listen to me, husbands and fathers. Just like David, he sought God. Then he was able to pursue, overtake, and recover all. So can we. We can do that. Uh, this Thursday, we're going to get together as men. Uh, dealing, with, dealing with our families. Being the kind of men that God wants us to be. We, we, we don't have to let the devil rob us. How did David do that? How did he find recovery, if you will? Big word. And AA and NA and AA. Uh, recovery. Well, David recovered all. Everything the devil had stolen from him. How did he do it? First, by going in faith. Uh, he, he sought God, number one. Then he went in faith. And he ran into an Egyptian. That could help him. We all need help, man. If you think you can make it on your own, and most men do, wow.